Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi Brigway. Hi and welcome to episode 74, but before I even go any further, I need to ask you this. Have you listened to the first episode in the new series, Wisdom Compass? What's the Wisdom Compass? It's a collection of powerful ideas that will help you navigate everyday challenges as you reach out for your biggest goals in life. So it's a new series that I've created to run parallel to the usual episodes that I release on the Super Abundant Life podcast. And this new series called The Wisdom Compass is short. It is straight to the point. It will always be less than 15 minutes. And the first episode was released on Wednesday last week. And it is titled How to Handle a Difficult Boss or How to Manage a Difficult Boss. And I shared three powerful ideas there that will certainly help you if you're currently in that situation or if you ever find yourself in that situation you know we don't need to wait until we find ourselves in there before we actually receive the wisdom for it and store it somewhere where we can bring it out when it's needed so if you have not listened to that episode the first episode of wisdom compass just literally as soon as you finish episode 74 go back and listen to it it is about 12 minutes and also please do share okay now that i've gotten that out of the way today i'm going to be bringing you an oldie but a goodie Uh, i'm talking about a very important topic today which is very simply why you should not or never compromise your core values for temporary gain now I was debating whether I should use never or I should say why I should avoid compromising because the truth of the matter is saying never is almost as if, okay, we never do it all, but I don't think that's true. I think every now and then, you know, the temp- well, definitely the temptation comes our way to want to compromise. You have core values and you think, oh, this is going to give me some kind of temporary gain of pleasure. Maybe I should do it. So uh, I didn't want to use the word never because it's like saying, hey, in all your life is like saying don't commit murder all right it's not even though it is the consequences are far reaching um i wouldn't you know approach it from a if you do it that's the end of your life no absolutely not and you will see what i mean in the teaching so i've used the word never but it's more about try and avoid it if you can because it can take you way you know you can end up where you never bargained it's it's not a good thing to compromise our values and like like i said it's an oldie but a goodie simply because i'm teaching um i'm going to be bringing to you a bible study that i did on a character so i used to do this bible study where i would take characters from the bible and basically study their lives to extract 
life lessons and this character is Lot. So I studied around Lot and Abraham and I extracted some powerful lessons around compromise and where compromise could take us. I'm very excited about sharing this with you. It has never been published on the podcast before. So it is technically new and it's very powerful. I went back and I listened to it again. It's really strong and I'm very excited to share it with you. So I'll be back to say hi and bye at the end. <laughs> enjoy so the title for today is all that glitters is not gold now for this one let me just read you the intro that i so i said it's easy to make a decision when all the signs are pointing in the right direction when the benefits of taking that step are glaringly obvious but not every everything that looks good is good in the end and today we're going to be looking at the life of a bible hero um, that learned this lesson very hard way. In fact, um, they lost everything in the end. And I don't think it's going to be that hard to guess this week's character. Um, I don't know if anyone has tried to guess, but anyway, this week's character is Lot. <laughs> so this one is not that much of a mystery. Um, if you've read the story of Abraham and Lot, you would know what I'm talking about today. But what I wanted to share is there's some things that God showed me actually as I read through that story again, and I began to you know look from His perspective and think what lessons can we take away from the life of Lot? Okay, so we're going to get started. Today's um, title is "All That Glitters Is Not Gold." Meaning there are situations where we make as a result of the things, how things look on the outside and regardless of what the inner conviction is. So I'm going to start off by giving a little bit of background about Lot. We all know that Lot was Abraham's nephew and he was also an orphan. So when, he, when, when we were introduced to Lot, um, we find out that you know, he, had, he had lost his parents and then he was traveling first of all with Terran, which was his grandfather, and later on with his uncle Abraham. And as a result of that, um, he the Bible talks about how Lot became rich. And we know that that's because of his association with Abraham. There was a blessing on the life of Abraham, and it, um, Lot literally tapped into that blessing, and he became very wealthy as well. So where we're going to start off today is where the conflicts actually started. All right? So these two people, Abraham and Lot, had become massively wealthy, you know, cattle, silver, gold. That's what the Bible says. They both had their own, you know, herds of, of, of um, herdsmen on both sides and they were both expanding rapidly. And it got to the point where the land could no longer take them. So I'm going to read from today. We're starting with Genesis 13 and from verse 9. So I'll read this quickly to, to let us to uh, get started into this. So it says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So it says, so disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. Now, first of all, I want to say that's a good problem to have. Okay, regardless of what the outcome was, it's a good problem to have when, you know, there's too much abundance, you know. <laughs> uh, let me say this here. So, for example, um, sometimes bringing it down to our own level or making it a bit more practical, you, you have a house, maybe you have a two-bedroom house, and then, you, you know, you're married and then you start having kids. Let's say you now have three kids and there's five of you sharing 
a two-bed house or six of you or whatever, and everybody's fighting, the children are fighting about the bathroom. Uh, no, no, I got in there first and all of that stuff. No, I want the remote. That is a good problem to have. Imagine if you lived in a big seven-room mansion and you were there by yourself. Okay, so sometimes we need to look at these things with the right perspective. So if I if conflict breaks out as a result of abundance, the first response should always be, Father, I thank you for this abundance. Because, because the reason why the conflict happened in the first place is because of abundance. So that was a very good problem to have. So basically, disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. And finally, Abraham said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to us. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, and I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go on the left. So before we even move on to Lot or whatever decisions he made, I wanted to first of all talk about Abraham. Uh, Abraham, but at this point it was still Abraham. So as a result of the expansion and the prosperity and the growth that God had given both of them, the conflicts had started. All right. Now the first thing I wanted to see is, I just mentioned this, how did Abraham respond to this conflict? Now, listen carefully to what I'm saying, because even I didn't see this until God began to show it to me, like, are you serious? Because Abraham didn't say, okay, because he could have, he could very easily have responded this way. He could have said, right, how about we do it this way? How about we manage the land that we have? So for example, Lot, I'm going to sell half of my flocks. I'm going to send half of my herdsmen away so that we can contain ourselves in this environment. So we can do this. But what I realized was Abraham's first response was about expansion. So when conflict happened, when trouble started, he didn't try to manage or micromanage the situation. He didn't think, oh, this is what we need to do. Maybe we have tried to outgrow you know, ourselves. Perhaps we should try and cut our coats according to our sizes. He didn't think that way. He thought, expand. So let's go. Let's expand even further out. So he saw that conflict as an invitation to expansion. Not a lot of people think like that. In fact, many times when conflict hits us, when problem hits us as a result of growth or whatever, the first thing we might want to do, for example, finances is probably the easiest way to explain this. Um, let's say, you know, you, uh, you move into a new house, for example, and as a result of that, your bills skyrocket or you start a business and all of that stuff. When we face financial challenges, it's very easy to begin to say, okay, so this is what we need to do. We need to cut back. We need to do this. We need to do that. How come a lot of us don't actually think about increasing the income? Because automatically, what people start to do is, we, need, we can't afford this, we can't afford that, we can't afford this, and begin to cut back, slash this, slash that. Let's, you know, let, you know um, they tend to put a limit or a barrier on what's coming in. Right, And as a result of that, the only option that comes to them is to cut what's going out. Now, I'm not advocating being irresponsible in our spending. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that in that situation, maybe the first thing we should be thinking about is how, obviously, you know, as long as money was not being mismanaged. So if it was being mismanaged in the first place, then you have to look at uh, being good stewards. So let's say 
this so my assumption is this is for somebody that's already a good steward of what God has given to them. So they're not being exuberant. They're not spending money anyhow. They're being faithful, right? They're giving and all those things. So if there's a sudden tightness in their finances, it is not to now say, oh, instead of, you know, eating this or that, let's try and eat beans on toast or whatever, or um, let's try and reduce this, let's try and reduce that. How about actually thinking, hang on a minute, this, this income level that we are currently having is not, is, is not a brick wall. It can be moved. It's not, it's not a permanent fixture. It can expand. And that was the first thing I noticed about Abraham's response. It was clear that the man had an abundance mindset, an abundance mentality. So the land was too small for all their herds and everything. He didn't say, do you know what? To get rid of this conflict, this tightness that we're experiencing, all right, this is what we need to do. Let's sell up half of our herds and then we'll have more space. No, he didn't do that. He said, let's expand. The way the Bible says in Isaiah 54, it says, lengthen your cords. You, you are going to break forth to the left and to the right. Okay, I think it's Isaiah 54. But you understand what I mean. So that's the first thing that I noticed. When we are experiencing challenges, so for example, in a marriage, if between two people, so the husband and the wife, when things start to get a bit you know, um, tight in the relationship, a lot of times we think, oh, let me just withdraw into myself, all right? I don't have your time. This is what's going to happen. It looks like every time I talk to you, we argue. So go and do your own thing. I'll do my own thing, right? That's basically trying to accommodate that conflict and say, I'm going to make room so that I can live with the conflict. No, what we're supposed to be doing, what we've learned now from the life of Abraham is, We'll, we should take it as an opportunity for expansion, as an invitation, which is how it came to me. It's an invitation. So when I ex- begin to experience any kind of tightness, conflict in any area of my life, then I shouldn't begin to make provision for living with it. I should automatically be thinking, how do I expand? Okay, so that basically brings me to the first lesson in today's Bible study. Right, Abraham had an abundance mindset. He didn't try to cut his coat according to his size. He said, let's get a bigger coat. <laughs> That's pretty much what he did. Let's get a bigger coat, all right? Let's expand. Let's, sh- let's shatter the glass ceiling and let's spread. Let's spread abroad. Uh, so my first lesson today is this. Like a pregnant woman that is experiencing birth pangs, Okay, imagine if a pregnant woman, and I'll come to lesson in a minute, this just occurred to me. A woman is pregnant, she's you know going into delivery, and there are pangs, and she you know it's very uncomfortable. You don't say to that woman, actually, do you know what? Just lie down like this so that the baby would you know become um or calm down or whatever, or do like this, or get up. No, everything, every instruction you're giving that woman at that point is for expansion, for the baby to come out so that one will become two. Do we understand that? So conflict, when conflict enters our lives, every uncomfortable season in your life is an invitation for expansion. That's my first lesson today. Every uncomfortable season in your life, take it as an invitation for expansion. Don't take it as, oh, I need to try and manage things so that I can bear this you know, discomfort. 
we're not supposed to bear discomfort. We're supposed to break loose and go forth. You know, we are overcomers. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we don't, we're not supposed to manage situations. If you remember the man that was at the pool of Bethesda, I think it was, for 38 years. The man was just managing the situation. He was just managing to get to the pool every day. He was almost content in his discontent. All right? He was happy to stay there. Because how do I know? When Jesus walked up to him and said, will you be made whole? He said, do you want to walk? That's literally what Jesus asked him. And NLC said, he said, I can't, sir. So, I mean, why are you, why are you showing up every day at the pool for 38 years? Right? So he had become comfortable in his discomfort. He had made adjustments to make life more comfortable in what was a very uncomfortable situation that had been um, orchestrated to expand him. Okay, So the conflict came. The conflict came, but Abraham had an abundance mentality. He didn't see it as, what can we do to manage this situation? He said, okay, it means it's time for us to expand. That's the first thing I want us to see today. So that's the first lesson. Every uncomfortable season in your life, okay, take it as an invitation for expansion. Don't take it as, um, what can I do to be more comfortable in this situation? No, God is saying, oh yeah, it's time to move forward. It's my, you know, it's time for it to go to the next level. And that is how one of that's one of the ways you will keep enjoying multiple. Um, changes in levels in your life, all right? It's just not not being satisfied with being dissatisfied. <laughs> so you should be dissatisfied with being dissatisfied. Like some people say you should be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay, so that's my first lesson. And I'm going to move on to the next one. So I'm reading, so I'm going to continue. So it, essentially where we are now is where Abraham said to Lot and he said, hey, as a result of this conflict, this land is too small for us. It can't contain us. We keep growing. We keep expanding. So it's time for us to expand. And Abraham was very gracious. He basically said to him, look, I'm going to give you first pick. You pick whatever you want. If you pick right, I'll go left. If you pick left, I'll go right. So he didn't exercise his seniority over a lot. He didn't say, it is because of you, because of me that you have prospered. If not for the blessing of God upon my life, where would you be? You know, those kind of things that we tell people. <laughs> you know, he didn't pull any rank. He basically just gave Lot first preference. And I'm not going to go too much into that because I'm sure at some point we will study the life of Abraham. So let's move on from that. So Genesis 13 from verse 10. So it says, after Lot had given, so after Abraham had given Lot that option, it says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zohar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. I want to pause there. It says that the whole, he took a long look. He took it, so he didn't just glance and look away. It says he, he fixed his gaze. So he took a long look and was just looking and admiring and admire that, wow, look at, you know, look at how well watered this place is. He was calculating, wow, you know, before we were fighting over wells and all that, we were in the desert. But here, my headsmen literally just need to, you know, take the herd to the river or whatever it is. So he was thinking what multiplication is going to happen even faster. My business is going to grow. Da, da, da. And he, he fixed his gaze. So he took a long look and he was admiring. <laughs> who does that remind you of 
Who does that remind you of? Eve, right? The Bible says that Eve looked at the fruit and she looked and she saw that it was beautiful and good for fruit. The same way the Bible says that Lot took a long look at the fertile plains. It says it was like it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of Lot. So it actually referred to Eden. Okay, so there was a connection there with Eve. The Bible doesn't put information there for nothing. It was telling us that it was the same temptation that, that Satan tempted Eve with that he tempted Lot with. Okay, he basically said, oh, look how beautiful and delicious this is, right? Regardless of what the instruction had been, had been, all right? So I'm not going to go too far ahead of myself. So he took a long look and he says it was like the garden of the Lord. So basically he made a choice, a life choice. So this wasn't, okay, um, I'm going to, it wasn't a temporary thing. It wasn't, we're going to go away for two weeks and then we'll move or something. For the rest of his life, he was going to settle there, literally. So he was moving to settle in this land. So he made his choice based on immediate personal gain, surface, which is fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You're looking for a job, you're applying for jobs, and a job looks good to you. You're not going to turn it down. I mean, <laughs> in fact, you, you, you even be asking for more. You'd be saying, okay, this is what I want. So, what I want. so that's not what I'm saying. However, this is what we need to be aware of, okay? It's the fact that that personal gain conflicted with his conscience. So it wasn't just about the fact that it looked beautiful. There was something scratching inside Lot, okay? The Bible doesn't put it that way, but this is how I describe it. You know when you're doing something and there's like something scratching, you know, like a scratch inside you, like it doesn't feel right. Lot had it, and I'm going to prove it from the scriptures that that was the case, all right? The same way, there's no way Eve didn't know what she was doing, okay? She knew, she knew the instruction, she knew God had said, don't do it, but because of that temporary personal gain, the gain that was literally in front of her at that moment in time, she disregarded the voice. You know, I don't know if they were inhabited by the Holy Spirit, so I don't know if they had inward witness, but she certainly knew what she was doing and she knew that it conflicted with the word of God, the instruction of God to them. So how do I know this? It says, so I'm going to keep reading. It says, but Lot, but the people of the area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. So Basically, let me, read, let me read through that again. So it says, Lot look, took a long look at the fertile plains, like the Garden of the Lord. It was a beautiful land, like the land of Egypt. And then he went there, and then he said, but the Bible says, the people of this era were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Now, I think it would be a bit naive to say that you have lived with someone like neighbors, and you didn't know they were extremely wicked. Because Sodom and Gomorrah, I don't think they hid their wickedness. Because the Bible makes it clear. So Lot knew the kind of people that they were. He knew. The Bible makes it clear that the people were wicked. So he knew what he was getting into. But he weighed it and he thought, mm, personal gain is fine. I'm going to go with personal gain regardless of what it might cost. Regardless of the cost. So he knew that and his conscience. And the Bible says in Second Peter 2.7-8, it says that he lost lived among them day by day, distressed 
in his righteous soul. I think KJV says vexed. <laughs> so vexed in his righteous soul by the rebellious deeds he saw and heard. So his conscience was daily, you know, being um, um, attacked. So he would see this and go, oh my God, these people are so wicked. There's so much wickedness in this place. So he knew that before he took that decision. He didn't enter into that decision blindly. He knew what he was getting into. But what he did do was to suppress that conscience, that voice inside him that was saying, no, no, this is not worth it. So he decided to live, quite simply, a life of compromise. And that's, that, that's basically what sums up Lot. Lot lived a life of compromise. So he looked at the personal gain and he thought, I'll I, I have this, thank you very much. <laughs> Regardless of the fact that inside him, he just knew that this is, this is not right. These people living near these people is just not going to be right. His soul, the Bible says, was vexed by the rebellious deeds of those people. The Bible says day by day, every single day, night and day, he, was, he didn't have peace. You know, there was no peace. He had all the wealth. I'm pretty sure because he was positioned beside that well-watered garden, his flocks would have even multiplied. So he would have gotten even wealthier. But there was no peace. But there was no peace. So he was living a life of compromise. So you know, taking it down to the most basic level, I always try to make these things practical so that we're not just thinking as, oh, see this lot. The man, we was just greedy and we can't see ourselves in the situation. <laughs> it's not true, okay? We're just like that. Every single one of us in whatever area, that is why the Holy Spirit is able to help us. So one of, the, one of some of the examples that I thought of, and this one is at the most basic level. So, you know, in a relationship or whatever, whether it's at work, whatever that relationship might be, work relationship or home relationship, you are angry or someone upset you. Okay, and the first thing you want to do is to give them a piece of your mind, right? Because you know it will make you feel better. Remember that temporary personal gain? Yes, you know it will make you feel better. You go on social media and blast the person. It will make you feel temporarily. Why? Because they deserve it. Why? Because they need to be told. Why? Because they, you know, if, some, if somebody doesn't tell them, they won't know. And all those things we try and tell ourselves to justify hurting someone else, basically. So you're angry and then you speak your mind. You blast this person. So you feel better at first. But then your conscience does not let you rest. For several days after, I keep thinking, ah, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Okay? And let me say this. We can actually get to the point where our conscience becomes seared. So if we keep um, overriding our conscience, it will get to the point where some things that you knew in the beginning were wrong you will just be doing it without any prick in your conscience. So it's actually possible to see it. The Bible talks about searing your conscience. So the first time you do it, I say, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. The next time you do it, if you keep overriding your conscience, you'll get to the point where it just becomes free flow. All right? It's okay. You can just do anything you like. So that's an example. Another one that I know is going to hit a lot of us is this. You have an important task in front of you. You know you need to do this thing. It's a project. It's a task. It's important. It needs to be done. It is necessary for, I don't know, something important in your life, an area of your life or something. But you keep putting it off. So, you know, you, in fact, you put in your calendar, you thought, I'm going to do this task today. 
But at that point when you say, I'm going to do it later, it feels good temporarily. For a few minutes, you're like, you feel the relief. Like, oh, I don't have to think about this thing until tomorrow. <laughs> okay? I put it off. I postponed it till tomorrow. I don't have to think about it. So you feel that temporary gain. But the thing is, it is still on your mind. It is still stealing. The Bible talks about little foxes that spoil the vine. It's still a little fox. You still don't have peace. Why? Because you have put it off. You have sacrificed like personal gain. You have taken personal gain at the cost of something more worthwhile in your future. Okay. I've talked about relationships as well. So being quick to make, you know, to, 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 um, to blast someone and all those kind of things, being quick to spend money, <laughs> for example, knowing that, look, if I actually invested in this, it will be easier for me and my life will be easier. And all those things, there's, there's so many examples. I couldn't possibly think of all of them. But what I'm trying to say is there are things that we do temporarily that give us temporary personal gain especially the the one I'm even talking about now is when you know inside you, when the Holy Spirit is telling you don't, your conscience, when your conscience is not permitting you, but you override your conscience and you do it anyway, those things can be quite dangerous, okay? So let's look at Lot. What were the consequences of Lot's actions? So Lot literally picked personal gain over what his conscience knew to be wrong. He knew that it would have been wrong to go and settle near Sodom and Gomorrah. Because the Bible says that the people of the land were evil. They were desperately wicked. They were wicked. They were wicked people. And why didn't he move away? The Bible says that every single day, his soul was being vexed. His conscience was being vexed as he observed, like, ah, these people are so wicked. He didn't have peace. But he stayed. <laughs> so not only did he make that decision the first time, all right, at least when you see that you made a mistake and your, you, you, your peace has been taken away, you're like, ah, this is a horrible situation. He could have moved away. But he was so fixated on that personal gain, on that well-watered garden that looked so beautiful that he was not willing to move away. And the longer he stayed in that situation, the more difficult it became to leave that situation. That's, that's one of the dangerous things about it. Why? Because compromise usually leads to more compromise. If we compromise in the little things, we will certainly compromise in the big things. So the courage compromise in the little thing will give birth to courage to compromise in the big things. So he made that decision at first. He was a wealthy man. He could have moved anywhere because Remember, Abraham said, you can go anywhere. You just pick wherever you want to go, and I will go in the opposite. Meaning there was abundance of land. He could have moved away. But he was so taken by what he was getting from that situation that it didn't matter to him that he's, you know, he had no peace. It didn't matter to him that the Bible says that his righteous soul was being vexed. It didn't matter to him that he was compromising his relationship with God. None of that mattered as long as he had his personal gain. So what were the consequences of Lot's actions? This is just a few. This is not an exhaustive list. The first one is what I've talked about. He had no peace of mind. He had no peace of mind. We've already read 2 Peter 2.78. It says that he was in daily torment. Wow. Daily torment. Daily torment of conscience. And let me, let me, actually, let me, let me give an example here. 
I didn't write this down before, but you know, the example just came to me now and let me give this. So I remember when I was going to move out into business and I've told this story many times. I do not come from a business oriented family. Nobody in my family had ever done business and I'm not exaggerating. No, nobody. My parents were professionals before they retired and they had everybody, my aunties, uncles, everybody was like, you know, that generation now, they were mostly like, you know, go to school, get a good job, um, uh, get a good pension, da, 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 stay there, progress. And that was, that was all I knew. So I, I didn't business or anything like that. Anything that wasn't structured that gave me a salary at the end of the month was out of it. It wasn't even just out of the question. It never entered my mind. I, I never considered it. But it got to a point where everything that I had wanted, right? In fact, this is how it ties in with a lot. Because I'd always, you know, I'm a very ambitious person. So I'm, I'm, you know, in my career when I was professional, I was very ambitious. I was going to get to the top regardless of whatever. So I was going for it. And finally, you know, senior leadership, there was a particular role in senior leadership that I had been aiming for and had taken me quite a bit of time to get it. But then I finally got it right with everything i wanted with the kind of influence that i wanted with the kind of impact with the kind of money let's not lie <laughs> with the kind of salary and all those things that i wanted and then it was as if i described it this way as soon as i got that role and got that job it was as if somebody let the air out of the balloon and everything just went flat it's like what is going on here and somehow i knew it wasn't the job it was the season because I could have very easily gone, you know, to get another job. But it wasn't that. So it was just something about, it got to the point me that I loved my job. I loved what I did, right? It was difficult to get out of bed in the morning. It was extremely difficult. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to go to this place. I can't believe I have to go to this job. I just hate this, right? So I didn't know what to do. I began to pray in the spirit. So literally, I would, you know, to make this practical, I wasn't carving out extra time. Rather than be listening to something, music or whatever, during my commute. So I think my commute back then, door to door. So walking out to my door at the house and walking through the gates of my, my work was about an hour. So what I did was I just said, look, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't like it. I don't like feeling like this. Remember what I said about not making adjustments to be comfortable in your discomfort. When, you, when that discomfort hits you, it's something is about to happen. Okay. So I was like, no, 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 I don't want this. So I began to pray. So I literally would take that hour and begin to pray in the spirit under my breath. So I would put my earphones on so people don't think I'm weird. <laughs> so they'll think maybe I'm having a phone conversation or something, but it wasn't out loud anyway. So if you're standing beside me, you couldn't hear me. So I literally, you know, pray in the spirit under my breath. My mouth would be moving, right? But people would think, okay, she's talking to someone on the phone. And I did that for, probably about two months. Okay, so I was consistent with it. I just said, I don't like feeling like this. I need to shake this. I don't like being in this situation where everything is just dry, right? So I, I did that and then all of a sudden, I remember that day exactly as if it was yesterday. I got out of the underground station and I was about to do my, I think, five-minute walk to my work, walk to my workplace and I just heard God ask me a question and he said, what if I asked you to leave your job today? What would you do? <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, what kind of question is that? Well, you know, what do you mean leave my job? That's, that's crazy. And as soon as I 
Well, I didn't say that. As soon as I thought the word, it just occurred to me that, ah, wait, oh, of course I can. I can leave my job now. Ah, why can't I leave my job? And it was as if something just opened. It was as if my, my, my mind was expanded literally in that moment. And so, ah, I can generate income. I can, me, that had, it had never occurred to me, right? That outside of a structured environment, even when I was, you know, um, even having a property business, I was like, 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 I can never leave my job. You know, <laughs> what if the market crashes or whatever and all the property, I, do you understand? It never occurs to me. I thought that salary is like, eh, eh, is my God, you know, at least I know at the end of the month, this is what's coming. So in that moment, it's as if the shackles was broken from my mind and I could see that, ah, yes, I can. And that was literally what began the journey. So it wasn't like the next day I resigned. Okay, I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm not that adventurous. So I just said to God, okay, I hear you. I hear you, but we're going to take it slow. So, you know, I scaled it down until I eventually went full-time with my business. So that's what I'm saying, all right? Now, I could have... I could have. Now, I think this is like a situation where Lot was in. So Lot looked at the fact that, okay, let's say I'm Lot. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm senior leader in a school. Do you understand? Um, a school of almost 2,000 kids. I'm in charge of several, as in several team, members of staff. I have all this influence. If I want to expel a child, I can. If I want to do this, I, do you understand? The power and all those things. Um, I just, you know, it, it could have been the money, the money as well. It could have been like, what? No, this spirit just. <laughs> Even though I knew something was happening, I knew God was saying, okay, it's time to leave. It's time to leave. I have something else for you to do. I have something else for you to do. I could have suppressed that conscience because of what? Personal gain, because of false security. Okay? That's what I mean. So, no peace of mind. And it was willing. He was willing to live with that lack of peace. He was just willing to just say, oh, well, that's how life is, you know? <laughs> that's what we tell ourselves. Who is happy in their marriage? Nobody's happy in marriage. We tell ourselves all these things to make the discomfort more bearable, to make an unbearable situation more bearable. And should be have, you know, you know, you know God is calling you. God is saying there's more. You know God is saying, come on, there's more for you to do. Reach out and fulfill your purpose. And all those things. But we tell ourselves all sorts of things. We say, eh, well, but I have whatever it is. Whatever those excuses are. We suppress. We try because it's not pleasant. Remember, it's not a pleasant situation. Because it's not pleasant, there's this comfort you want to suppress it. So he, he had no peace of mind. He lost his peace of mind. And he was so happy to not have peace. Secondly, that initial compromise led to more compromise. To the point that it became too difficult for him to live. Even when there was a threat that Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed. I don't know if you, you know, if you read that story, that portion of the Bible, I'll just talk, talk through it. Basically, God was going to destroy, imagine they were that wicked. So it wasn't just um, like Nineveh, that where there was a bit of wickedness and then God sent a prophet and said, repent, and they repented. These guys were beyond redemption. They were that wicked. And Lot stayed there. He literally stayed there. I mean, how, how do you do that? He just stayed there. Now, look, I have my beautiful garden. I have, you know, all my flocks. My flocks are multiplying. I have all this personal gain, whatever it is. It's okay. I, I can, it's fine. He literally stayed there. But even when Sodom and Gomorrah was going to destroy, he didn't want to leave. 
So a little compromise leads to more compromise to the point that you become so attached to that unbearable situation that you don't even, it, become, it forms part of the identity. It forms part of the identity that you don't even know how to get out of it anymore. You just like, you just settle. You just settle and say, well, let's just accept it, you know, whatever it is. And we settle and we settle and we don't even want to break out of that situation anymore. Like the man at the pool for 38 years, it had become his identity. That even when Jesus literally burst into his situation and said, come on, it's time to go. It was like, "Mm, well, there's nobody to carry me. When Lord, when was time for Sodom to be destroyed, Lord didn't want to go. He was arguing with the angels. (laughs) Can you imagine? So a little, that initial compromise led to more compromise to the point that he became so associated, entangled in that situation that it was almost impossible for him to get out of it. And the third thing was, very catastrophically, he lost everything. Remember, that whole area was destroyed. So that thing that he was holding on to. So for me, if I had held on to that job, to that security, I don't know what would have happened. Because Satan, you, that it's basically an entry point, isn't it? Right? It's an entry point. So willing to be going to work every day, knowing that, ah, I'm not supposed to be here. This just feels horrible. You know, the Holy Spirit is telling me, oh yeah, it's time to go. It's time to go. Put your plan in place so that you can exit and go and do what I want to do. And I just oppress it. And I just oppress it. And I just oppress it. Why? Because of money. Okay? Because of position. Because of influence. You know, all those things, right? If I had kept on suppressing that, I may have lost everything. No, but at the very least, okay? In fact, the most important thing I would have lost was look at what I'm doing now. I mean, today as I was getting ready to come and, you know, do this, I'm like, this is such a blessing to, for this to be my livelihood. I mean, nothing compares to this. Nothing compares to this. For me to be able to, you know, it's the middle of the day. People are at work, right? For me to be able to sit down at 12 o'clock and be teaching about the word of God and, and be having the time of my life, nothing compares. There's no amount of money that can compare to that. You understand what I mean? So he lost everything. He lost the ship, the whatever. He lost his wife. His daughters became morally corrupt. As in, in fact, he lost his daughters. And his possessions, everything, and his relationship with God became compromised. The Bible refers to him as a righteous man, but I don't know. We don't, I'm, I'm not even sure we hear about Lot anymore after you know Sodom was destroyed. I'm not sure we heard about him after that. And his daughter slept to him and, and so on. I don't think the Bible mentioned him after that. He could have, for someone, imagine if we're hanging out with Abraham, right? <laughs> the father of all nations. He, he could have become one of the greats too, I think. Okay, but we don't hear about him anymore. So that brings me to my lesson two. And that says very simply, um, any promise of personal gain that opposes your conscience is never worth it in the end. I repeat that. Any promise of personal gain that opposes your conscience is never worth it in the end. Now, that personal gain might not be money. It might not be position. For me, I just gave the example of the job, the salary, da-da-da. But it could just be that, oh, that temporary feeling of happiness. You know how you know God is telling you to do something, right? And when you think about it, you're like, oh, but God is... So you push it to the side so that you can, <laughs> you can be happy temporarily. 
Do you understand what I mean? So it's not always material things. That personal game will just be that temporary feeling of happiness, knowing, well, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to be happy. <laughs> okay? Temporary game, whatever form. Any promise of personal gain that opposes your conscience is never worth it in the end. And I'm looking up to rounding up shortly. And in order to do that, so the third lesson is a very short one. I'm literally going to read the scripture, talk about it a little bit, and then read out the third lesson in the life of that we can take away from the life of Lot. So lastly, so Genesis 19, 15 to 25. So I talked about this already. Um, this was the morning that Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed. And to show you how wicked these people are, in, when the angels came and Lot took them in, these people were going to, they were going to assault them. They were, you know, as men on men, homosexuality. They were, to, they were going to assault them. I said, bring those, you know, and I wonder why. Is it because every, all the men in the, in the land had already slept with each other? So they're like, oh, fresh meat. You know, fresh. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why. Why are they so like? We must. So probably, if you think about it logically, that means they had already, you know, gone round each other several times, and they're like, oh, new men, new brand new men. We must sleep with them too. That's how wicked and not stay there. <laughs> anyway, God was going to destroy the land, and the angels came and everything. So I'm going to bring out the third lesson from this. All right, it says, um, Genesis 19.15 says, At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. He didn't want to go. <laughs> Lot did not want to leave that place. He was so attached. It had become, his, his, his soul had become so intertwined. And that's what happens when we, when we keep suppressing the conscience and that inward voice. All right, it becomes dawn that you can't even hear again. All right. The next, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, now this is what I'm coming to. And thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that the end of this lesson in the life of a uh, lot is not a bad thing, okay? In spite of our frailties, in spite of us being so disobedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit, in spite of us doing everything we can to disobey and not follow the Holy Spirit when he tells us God is a God of mercy. Aren't we just grateful that he's a God of mercy? Now, so it's when Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them to the safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. Wow. God is merciful. So even when we're dilly-dallying, when God is saying you're supposed to be here and we're not listening, God, by his mercy, he will force something. He will make it happen. He will pour his mercy upon us. He will be patient with us. He will send people into our lives to move us and to shake us up so that we can move. When we have become comfortable in our discomfort, God is not happy. So he will pour out his mercy and he will make things happen. He will introduce somebody into your life that will inspire you to take that step, to move out of it, right? That's why also we should not despise it. You know, one of the lessons I shared a few weeks ago, when God begins to show, showcase those people in our lives, we shouldn't respond with offense and say, who is this person, who do they think they are, or pride, right? That is God literally trying to wake you up 
and say, come on, there's more. The same way when Jesus went into the life of that man by the pool, that man would have died by the pool if Jesus had not showed up. He literally would have died there. Okay? He would have died there. He had been there 38 years already, and he was already prepared to die there. God knows how many more years. But Jesus showing up, he didn't call for Jesus. In fact, I think that was the only case in the Bible. I'm not sure where other people blind Bartimaeus. Oh, son of David. This guy didn't even ask for Jesus to come. Okay? At least the man at the beautiful gate asked Peter for money. This one didn't even interact. Jesus walked up to him. So that was God's mercy. Right? That was mercy of God saying, look, I know you are comfortable in this discomfort, but I'm here to take you out regardless of your comfort. That was the same thing with Lot. Okay? That was the same thing. The angels literally grabbed their hands and dragged them out of there. Why? He says, for the Lord was merciful. So there's mercy for us today. That's what I'm going to end with. Regardless of how long that situation of discomfort has been, no matter how long we have suppressed those inward witnesses, the conscience, where you know there's more you're supposed to be doing. God is calling you to do something or to whatever it is. And you have support. It doesn't matter how long it has been. God's mercy will reach out and will pull you up in the name of Jesus. So my lesson three today is this. Even in the midst of the negative consequences of our actions, right? The mercy of God is available to deliver us. The mercy of God, in the midst of negative consequences of our actions, the mercy of God is available to deliver us. So no matter how far we've gone, no matter whatever it is, um, even if the consequences have started to roll in, it doesn't matter. God's mercy is unfailing. He can't exhaust it. He says that his mercy is new every single day. So he loads up the fresh batch of his mercy every single day. And because of that, we, can, we know that his mercy will always come and reach out. So we thank God for his mercy. So that essentially brings me to the end of this week's Bible hero, uh, lessons from the life of a Bible hero, looking at the life of Lot. I'm going to recap very quickly on the three lessons that I have shared with you today. The first lesson is this. Just like a pregnant woman that is experiencing birth pangs, every uncomfortable season in your life is an invitation for expansion. It's not an invitation to, you know, move things around a little bit so that you become comfortable in your discomfort. No, God is saying, come on, extend, you know, um, lengthen your cords because you're about to break forth to the left and to the right. That's what it means. All right. So a marriage that is a bit rocky at the moment is basically saying, look, this is an opportunity for you to go to the next level of intimacy in your marriage. It's not an opportunity to say, okay, how about we try and manage ourselves so that we can still live in the same house and not divorce? No, that is becoming comfortable in your discomfort. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to experience an injection of the life of God to resurrect that situation to the next level. The second lesson from a life of Lot is that any promise of personal gain that opposes your conscience, the inward witness of Holy Spirit, where you know that the Holy Spirit is saying, hmm, or there's a call, there's a pull inside you to something else, but you don't want to move, says it is not worth it in the end. And the last one is even in the midst of negative consequences of our actions, when we don't obey the Holy Spirit, when we suppress our conscience, when we are content to just stay in, stay comfortable in our discomfort, 
God's mercy is available to us. Come and deliver us out of those situations. So we should take comfort in that. So when he begins to, and the way God does this, okay, is he will introduce relationships into your life. So he will bring people into your life. The same way the angels came as men. They came as human beings. All right, the same way Jesus appeared and he walked over. So he will introduce relationships into your life to stir you up, to help you, literally take you by hand to that next level. So don't hesitate. Don't ask of pride, say, what can you teach me? Who are you? You know, or out of envy, say, mm, well, I don't even know how they got this. I don't even know, you know, how they're all married, whatever. You know, we start to, so we shouldn't respond that way. We should literally take it as the mercy of God towards us. And we should latch on with everything that we had because the same way the angels grabbed hold of Lot and his family and dragged them to safety, we believe that the mercy of God would also deliver us from those kind of situations. Amen. I hope you enjoyed that Bible study. I certainly did. I listened to it again and I was very, very blessed by it. Uh, it reminded me again and again and again and again and again about why I should not really look to temporary gain if it's going to contradict the values that I hold there. Because the values, the reason why they're values and their core values is because they transcend time and they will speak in the end. They will always produce results as opposed to holding out, holding on to or going after something that has temporary gain whilst compromising my values. I was very um, excited to bring you that episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you learned from it. I will be back next week with another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast. And also, I will be back this Wednesday with another episode, so episode two of the Wisdom Compass. Okay, so I hope to see you then. Keep sharing and keep reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to it. I do appreciate you turning up every week and I can't wait to share my next episode with you. Bye.